I'm in LA. Okay, I'm in LA, and I'm outside because people. I'm. So you're not staying at the uh, at the Junket Hotel. You're staying at your friend's place, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, people sleep earlier here in LA. They sleep late. I mean, you know. So where is your outside? So where are you in Silver Lake, or what's what part? I'm in I'm in Hollywood. Okay. And how? And the weather looks nice. Nah, it was nice now, but it was raining yesterday. Okay. It was it was raining the last few days, and I think we're expecting more rain today. But right now, the sun is out. Mm. But it's a bit cold, though. It's a bit cold. (laughs) Now I was just telling Bill that you're. This is a big year for you, Oscar wise, because uh, apart from the predictions, you're going to be. Uh, you're going to have a pass that allows you to hang out on the main floor and particularly hang out at the bar where everybody so goes. Jeff, tell, tell all that during the podcast. So We are. Minutes. We're yes, doing the podcast. No, no, no. Do an introduction. Say this is your Misfits number two oh. or whatever like that. Like, like, give it some structure. I'm sorry. I, I, I got very excited about... Uh, I want to produce. That's all I want. I just want to produce. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Welcome, guys. This is Jeffrey Wells speaking, and I'm, this is my, my first hosted uh, edition of the Misfits. And uh, last week, we're all very scared, we're, and we're all very scared. And I and I uh, I have a a, a new phone, uh, which I'm uh, still fucking around with. But I um, uh, anyway, the, the the long and the short is that uh, uh, Wilson, the founder and the editor in chief of Black Film and TV, is here with us. He's in Los Angeles. And uh, good to have you here, Wilson. Uh, good to see good your to be here. face. And um, we also have the great Bill McCuddy, who I don't... Now I'm trying to bring up the thing that Bill sent me, this whole rundown, but basically... There's no whole rundown. Uh, <laughs> I found it. I found it. Bill, as we all know, Bill used to be a Fox News guy. for He was there for 12 full years. And that's where Bill and I first connected, when he was friendly to me and solicitous and... Uh, and and very very outgoing. Uh, Bill did uh, the red carpets at the Oscars and Golden Globes for all twelve years, and they all love them except for the ardent liberals. Even though Bill has never been a uh, ideological reporter, he's just a movie guy. But I have no Robbins, opinion on anything. Tim Robbins hated you and gave you the finger once. Yeah, right? my and, first time at the Golden Globes. In fact, I, it might have been the year that you and I you joined me at the Golden Globes one year and and made that your base. Camp, that's right uh, while you were tweeting out about it or whatever whatever social platform was popular in the late 1800s when we were both there and yeah. then i think you because the back of the room i had uh let you jump over a balcony and get into the vanity fair party i think you crashed the vanity fair party that year i think i was uh, actually that was a good time for me i didn't have to crash anything okay i did, okay. I did you know i mean i was i was in there was no issues i was everything was fine um now I gotta do this fucking thing again. Sorry. Anyway, uh, your current thing, uh, Bill, is uh, is talking pictures with Neil Rosen and Lisa Rossman on PBS, uh, right. PBS All Arts, and you have a current thing that's up now with Perry Nemiroff, and you guys do the Oscar picks thing, which is what we're gonna do. Also, because what else we're gonna do? It's one week until the Oscars, and this is our last shot at doing it because next weekend it'll be almost a moot point because it'll be happening. Anyway, uh, you're hosting a, a live Oscar viewing party also in the Hamptons uh, next Sunday night. Uh, and the details are at Canoe Place, C-A-N-O-E Place.com. And uh, there it is. For anyone only listening to this, I'm horishly now holding up a card right. that says <laughs> Canoe Place.com. We'd love to have you join us. You can heckle us 
Uh, you can see that the chemistry between Lisa and Neil and I is genuine. We really, really don't like each other. No, no. <laughs> Wilson, when on Oscar night, do you just mainly do tweets and do your reports after it's all over? How do you handle it? Well, I'll be. This will be the second time I'll be there. So, like, I guess uh, you know, hopefully the Wi-Fi is strong enough that I can do tweets from there. Right. Um, you know, a lot of these things at this point right now, as we'll talk about. You know, we already know somebody predict the winners, or at least those who are have a who have a, a bigger uh, shot of winning. So it'll be, right. you know, it's a matter of just like, okay, it, do we need to tweet out those that are expected or just those who are unexpected? Because those are the ones that matter. Because everybody is gonna. It's almost like March Madness, where you know, you know, the top four teams are gonna probably make it to the final rounds. But it's the smaller rounds that matter because those are the, those are where the surprises come in. You know, so like. They're about, you know, when you look at the race, I think there's like 24 to 25 categories. There's really like seven of them, anywhere between five and seven. That's really up for grabs, you know, like, and, and we'll talk about, you know, obviously some of these main predictions. Some of them are up for grabs. Some of them are already like, okay, we know this person's winning, you know, without a doubt. But nobody really cares that much other than the top six or seven categories. So nobody's really focused i mean you're a hardcore so you're looking at all the categories but most people yeah, are not it's always it's always good you know at the end of the day you know like i know at times they wanted to shift the smaller categories off screen but you want to recognize everybody because a film is not just a film without the people behind it so you know you want to recognize you know the, the tech people you know the songs it ain't just about the talent otherwise you just have a people's choice awards Okay. Well, I think we should talk about any category that could potentially be an upset or a big surprise that night. You know, Samuel L. Jackson kind of famously told me one year, and he almost got kicked out of the Academy for it, which I felt really bad about, but he picked the, the top six himself, and then his maid finished out, or housekeeper, finished out the rest of the ballot. And he said it on camera, and we laughed, and, and it ran on Fox, and he got a letter and like had to say, okay, I was only kidding with Mr. McCarthy. <laughs> Uh, but I think that I think that a lot of America only looks at the top categories and is only interested in. And I think as we go through this podcast, there are uh, some slam dunks and some stuff that are absolutely going to happen. But I've got a few real surprises, including Coleman Domingo, who I think could be a, a surprise in the best actor category. Wilson does not would, agree with that one, which I would love. Uh, it's it could happen. I mean, the, the Oscars doesn't like to rubber stamp everything that's happened before it. In at least one category, it zigs where everything else has zagged. And uh, that's certainly one that, that could. And I think Best Actress is wide open, despite everyone oh, saying... It's not wide open. Staying yeah, willing and, and, for, oh, all right. Now, now, I got, now I got an agreement, uh, a little... Yes. Uh, half a nod out of Wilson. Here's what I say. So I think you're wrong regarding Coleman Domingo. I, as much as I like him, and, and he's the lone nominee for Rustin, he, has, he hasn't really won anything big, so it'd be a shock if he came out of nowhere to win. In terms of best actors, the thing that I have to say is that, like, the European vote is strong. And while Lily Gladstone won, uh, won SAG, she wasn't even nominated for BAFTA, which is t very telling. You know, so the Europe, you know, the first thing that when the Oscar nominations were announced is that they mentioned 93 countries participated. And while SAG is strong, SAG are like California votes. It's a big leg up. You know, it's still a battle. I'd say in the European vote, it's between Sandra, who's been racking up some European awards, and Emma Stone, where they love poor things. 
So I think it's a three horse race. You know, Sandra seems to, you know, be lagging behind, but I wouldn't really be surprised if she came out of nowhere. Remember the year where Olivia Coleman beat uh, um, Glenn Close when Glenn Close. Close had won everything that yeah. year, and that Olivia Coleman won. Yeah, that was Sandra. Also has what I call the double whammy, which you know Coleman does too. He was great in color purple, but I'll concede that that probably isn't going to happen. But uh, Sandra is in two great movies. One of them is going to win an Oscar. So uh, in foreign, so I think that that's an unfair advantage or just an advantage. I won't call it unfair. If you give two really great performances in a year, the Academy can't help but be aware of both of those and try and uh, try as they might not to make that a factor. I think it does play into it. How do you spell Sandra's last name? Huller, H-U-L-L-E-R. It's, yeah, yeah, two L's, right. Okay. Wasn't, wasn't Scarlett Johansson the last person to get double nom double nominee nominations for Jojo Rabbit and Marriage Story? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. You know, so she, it didn't work out for her. Obviously, I think the last person yeah. to win was probably, I could be wrong, Jamie Foxx. When he won for Ray, was also nominated for Collateral. Okay. Yeah, and he was excellent in Collateral. I really loved him in that. I thought that was... When I think of one of his greatest, I think of that before, frankly, Ray. I mean, I yeah. it's a good good film, but I have frankly haven't seen it since oh four. Was that the year? Yeah. Oh yeah. five. But Jack, going back to Wilson's point about now there's some international, and I would argue some of those are just one person in each country, the way uh Hefa was. But but even if that's true, if it is a three-way race now and it does split, that allows for someone like and I know I've been beating this drum all all uh, campaign season, but it allows in Annette Benning, who played a real person and trained a year for it. I'm sorry, Lily Gladstone. I mean, don't no disrespect when I say this. Lily Gladstone didn't uh, train to be uh, an indigenous actress. She is, and uh, you know, uh, Emma didn't train to be a brain transplanted nymphomaniac. Mm -hmm. I mean, the the truth is. That Annette Benning spent a year in swimming pools. Uh, she's beloved. Warren, as I've been saying nonstop, has probably been working the phones night and day, uh, even though that's two or three phone calls for him, as I've pointed out before, uh, in, in a month and a half. I just think that Hollywood royalty like Jamie Lee Curtis last year is a real factor for a lot of those voters. And you can say, yes, there's a ton of new voters in there. But the old guard has been pulling through in categories like that. Uh, and until there's a real seismic shift, uh, I, I think that they, there's a chance, is all I'm saying, that Annette Benning will be a big upset. Here's the thing. When, Jody, when, when Jamie Lee Curtis won last year, and she had not won anything until she won SAG, and I think one of the things she mentioned is that she's thinking about her parents. And I remember getting phone calls from some people saying, okay, as much as we all wanted Angela Bassett to win, you know, the minute Jamie Lee Curtis won and thanked her parents, I have folks calling me up because I just remembered who her parents were, you know, and that and that goes a long way, you know. When you see uh, Andrea Risenborough getting, you know, a nomination, and part of the nomination was through the social media campaign, and one of them was a tweet from Jane Fonda. Who reads Jane Fonda's tweets? Other, other, you know, her colleagues who are either voters and winners. <laughs> you know, now that's that I haven't heard about a big ground swelling for Annette or a lot of people throwing private parties for her with voters and stuff like that. I know she's working the circuit pretty heavily, but in terms of a buzz that everybody goes, hey, don't don't knock, uh, don't rule Annette out. That has, I'm sort of the only one saying that. 
But uh, I would love that because it would be a nice surprise that night. If we could come I down said, to, to reality, I'm sorry to be saying okay. this, but the, uh, the reality is that it looked very much to me and many of us, I think, that this is an Emma Stone thing, you know, and, and it looked like Emma Stone. And finally, especially Critics' Choice, I think, was reflective. They, they are often predictive of the Oscar community of the Academy. And I was thinking, okay, this is it. Uh, she's 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 over the hump, and she's almost certainly going to win it. And I knew she was going to win BAFTA. And then all of a sudden, SAG came along, and it's Lily again. And I'm. But where's so the here's the thing? Where's the narrative? A lot of times, some people have a narrative. Last year, you had Brendan Fraser, and we somewhat know his story. He was crying his way to the Oscars. Kihu Kwan, obviously, no one had seen him in a minute, at least on a serious level, and you know he had a narrative. And so with Lily, you know, she's you know she's talking about you know, her peoples and so forth. And that's the narrative. I think when you see Emma Stone, who recently won within the last five years, outside her performance, which is what it should be about, where is the narrative? So some people are selling a narrative. With Killian Murphy, him and, him and Chris Nolan have been a pair together for almost 20 years, and that's his muse. So it's like, you're going to reward, you know, Mur uh, uh, if you're going to reward Nolan, Killian goes right up with him because he did, you know, he was the captain of that ship. Can I talk about narratives? How about the Paul Giamatti narrative, which is that he easily, talk to anybody who's ever seen Sideways, clearly the best film, uh, the best performance. Or are you, but does, you can go back to a number of years, you know, like you're talking about, oh, he was overlooked 20 years ago. You know, that wasn't the case for Glenn Close when she's, you know, on her nomination. Certainly not the case for Bradley Cooper, who's on his fifth or sixth nomination. Oh. You know, so like. Annette so Benning, I hate to keep going back to it, five-time nominee, uh, hasn't yeah. won. But anyone who's seen um, Sideways knows that Miles is one of the great performances of the 21st century, and he wasn't even nominated, the poor guy. He, he got bumped out for whatever reason. I don't, you know, I mean, that was the year that Jamie won, of course. And I just seem, it seems to me that he is so good in the, uh, in the, in the, uh, uh, why did I just blank out the title? The holdover. The holdover. The holdover. You know, the outsiders. I'm sorry. Anyway. Um, uh, why would anybody want to deny the man his obviously his moment? He needs to be made whole with this, and they're going for Killian Murphy. I don't get it. I, I, well, I think the Killian Murphy thing is just the juggernaut of Oppenheimer is is carrying he and, and Robert Downey Jr. along with it to a certain extent. I think that over. the narrative or the storyline that you're pushing about the holdovers being a make good for yeah. uh, a, a, an old sin that was committed. You're one of the biggest. Uh, soapboxes on that. I think people agree with you, but there's no way Paul Giamatti was going to go out and go, I got screwed last time. You know, it had to be, it had to be a narrative that people, uh, it's like an actor that looks at a, at a script and says, I'm not going to say that it's too on the nose. That, that narrative has to be something that all the voters have decided on. And I'm not sure they have. You know, I've, talked to, a few, I've talked to a few voters and they, I know you're not going to like to hear this, but they think the holdovers is, a light movie compared to an Oppenheimer. And I thought, oh, that's the kiss of death. That's, that's gonna, that's good. It's not important enough. You hear that, Wilson? And, yeah, but at the same time, when you talk about Paul Giovanni and Sideways, you have to say to yourself, okay, we're talking 20 years ago. Has he had any other performance in between that time, theatrical? We know he's been doing well on television for when he played, I think, John Adams and obviously his role on, on Billions. Yeah. But we're talking films here. Has he had any equally critically acclaimed performance in a film 
Well, no, he's not Susan Lucci, but I, I'm, I don't think he has to have been in a lot of great movies since then. He was in a great movie then, and he's in a great movie now. It's just whether or not uh, the voters will think that that's reason enough over uh, Oppenheimer. And, you know, Holdovers, I thought was going to be a much bigger hit than it turned out to be. So that's another factor. I mean, it's it didn't connect with with Joe and Jane Popcorn, as uh, as you like to point out. Uh, and so I along a tiny little anecdote from the Santa Barbara Film Festival, myself and Paul. This is after the Oscar nom this is after the Oscar nominations had happened. He had been invited to a Santa Barbara uh, award event because he was he was so good in Sideways, and and I was we were sort of talking, why didn't you get nominated, man? It was like uh, surreal. And I had my theory, which is that there's a scene in which Miles goes upstairs when they're visiting his mother and he goes into her bureau drawer and takes out some cash, you know, to help him uh, have a good time when they're up uh, touring the wine country. And I said, I think that maybe stealing the money from mom uh, you know, hurt you with certain voters. And he went, damn Damn. Anyway, <laughs> you know, that's not a bad body. I, I do him too. Pino no but, you know, Pino <laughs> but here's, here's, here's the thing, though. Part of a holdover's yeah. acclaim is that it's Alexander Payne. You know, a lot of pundits had already predicted this sight and scene a year ago in mm -hmm. January. Like, okay, you know, all those that run Oscar sites, you know, they have to pick out five, which they think is going to be, you know, come down the road up there. Paul Giamatti, I mean, Alexander Payne, Real 90 with Paul Giamatti, and the holder was, was already on the list. Davine Joy Randolph was on that list for a whole year, and all she had to do was perform as expected, which she did, and she's nice. running the tables and will win supporting actress. Yeah, you didn't love her performance in that, am I right? You thought it was okay, but not great? Didn't we talk about that on uh, Talking Figures? Yeah, I, th I thought that, you know, her performance is, is really good, um, you know, I think you know uh, Danielle Brooks. I think was better. You know, in the color I purple. I agree with but, that. But but Davine, you know, obviously they love the performance, and I haven't seen someone capture as many awards in this category in a long time, mm. uh, especially for a black person. Because we all know it's hard for blacks to get nominated. Maybe not supporting, because we've had about maybe eight or nine winners in that category. But we already know how tough it is to get a lead nomination. Well, Divine Joy Randolph would probably argue with you about that because she's been literally owning that category from the get-go. Yes, she's, she's winning no matter. At this point, I, I've already, I've already rolled. I'm already on that train for the longest. It's like, okay, she's winning outright. <laughs> there's no end. Uh, no let me ask you. Let me ask you both this: If Lily Gladstone had been nominated in supporting, would she have absolutely been a slam dunk either, even over Randolph? That's yes. a good question. That's an excellent yes. question. I, uh, I think I think in a supporting category, you don't have to have experience. You know, there's been obviously a lot of winners who've never we've never heard of that won on their first time. Right. Troy Kotzer, uh, uh, yeah. Christopher Waltz, when you know he came out and did a Tarantino film on the first time. You know, you've got Lupita, no one had heard of her. You know, you got Jennifer Hudson on her first film. Julia Binoche beating uh, that year, beating uh, Lauren Bacall was like a total stunner. Uh, yeah, and, and so, you know, mm. in the supporting category, you can win. I think in lead actress, it takes a tsunami, you know, uh, to, to win. And I think, you know, being that she's in a Scorsese film and they've done right by 
not having Leah go out and promote the movie because they don't want to make it like a white savior or anything like that, especially when you're talking about Native Americans. And they and every time you hear Lily speak, she's just dazzling you with her speech. And every speech is different. Sometimes if you go to enough places, you'll see the same uh, actors saying the same story over and over again, just at different places. What I've been hearing, Lily saying a different speech every time, every, you know, different places. Can I ask you an honest by the way, let me just jump in. Uh, white saviors, white saviors, don't try and poison their wives. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I mean, what I mean by you know, you know what I mean is like you're not having Leo in the front, you know, because then that, that will remind people that when you think about it, the last hour of Kills of the Flower Moon is really a low, it's really a Leo and Robert show, you know. That's why you know some people were complaining about that Lily saying it doesn't flatter Leo because the script really fails him in the last hour, in my opinion. You know. Was it, on, was, it on, was it on Hollywood elsewhere that I read the theory that Lily, uh, that the studio wanted to put her in supporting and she said, I want to be in lead actress because I'll be the first lead actress that's an indigenous character. And that's Not me that said that, but that, that sounds right. That's yeah. more important to me than winning a supporting actress Oscar. Yeah. All which right. I found fascinating. Yeah. Well, think about it. At the end of the day, I, I understand her perspective because she wants to at least say, okay, it can happen. We do have a shot. At the end of the day, when you know, I think about like Halle Berry's win, you know, take away Halle Berry's win and we would still go, and we still are, 95, 96 Oscars with only one black winner, you know, and, and only less than, less than 15 black actress nominees in a total of over 400 actresses. You know, in 90 plus years, you know, you wonder, you look at last year when they thought, when they thought at least Viola and Danielle Dettweiler were going to get nominations. And when they got SAG nominated, when they got staff the nomination, when both were nominated in other categories, but yet both failed. I, you know, I wouldn't mind if it's one of them that gets in when both fail to get a nomination. You wonder what does it take for their peers to put them over the hump? Well, Wilson, you seem to be saying that identity is the thing that we should all really take quite seriously when these nominations come up. Well, and I don't if you, I, if you keep banging out there, it, it shouldn't be. But you know, when you keep telling a certain story, and like you know, I think you give anybody the opportunity to get on stage and, and tell a certain story out there, like okay, it starts resonating with people outside of the performance. Yeah, do you honestly think that Lily Gladstone gave a performance that is, I, we all understand that identity is a key thing? We all think about it, we all it motivates many of us. We all understand narrative. The, her narrative is the narrative of, of, Native, of Native American community over the last hundred years or, or longer. But do you honestly think that Lily gave a, a, a an exceptional award quality performance in that Scorsese film? In a coma? Huh? In a coma for most of the movie. In a coma, like the last hour she's in the bed, like, give yeah. me a shot, give yeah. me a shot. Uh, compared to what Annette did in swimming, compared to what Emma Stone did throughout the whole movie, you know, uh, you know, I just don't think, you know, she did as much as the others, at least as those two. You yeah. know, you can argue that Carrie Mulligan is basically playing, you know, uh, she's not standing toe to toe with, with Bradley Cooper, you know, yet she's nominated for lead actress. And who's the, and then there's Sandra, you know, you look to see what she's done with Anatomy of the Fall, pretty much it's her all the way. Yeah, true. Oh, the Carrie Mulligan thing, by the way, is because of what she goes through, her character goes through in the last 20, 25 minutes. It's her mm -hmm. cancer. It's the death scenes. That's why people were so moved and 
you know, they, they felt that she if did. Carrie Mulligan stayed, maybe if they had promoted Carrie Mulligan to supporting, mm-hmm. that would be a tough race between Carrie, yeah, but the Lily, problem with that, Daniel, Wilson, the, problem, the problem with that, Wilson, is that uh, Bradley Cooper, for good or bad, decided to build basically a movie about him around her. And I found that extremely generous as a writer and director. Yeah. Uh, I know it got the blessing of the family, and maybe that was one of the uh, motives there. But I just thought... This is a. This isn't about Maestro. It's about Mrs. Maestro, and yeah. I, I think she deserved the lead. I would love to see her win. I would but love it too. Has just not gotten the the praise and and adoration. It was number two or three on my top ten, but that ain't happening. And I can't. Oh. Somebody will be able to dissect that a little better. I thought uh, Bradley was well loved out there, and I just don't see it translating to any Oscars for. For that no, movie. this what is not a situation mean? where Reese Witherspoon won for playing June Carter and Joaquin was lost for playing Johnny Cash. Mm. Yeah. Can we go good. down a couple of the more cat? Are there any other categories that you guys want to jump in on? How about director? We don't have any dispute about that. That's definitely yeah. Nolan. There's like, no- yeah, that, that's, there's no dispute about the director. He's winning it outright, taking home to the bank. I think. Uh, my question is, does you know, does Oppenheimer win adapted screenplay or does it go to uh, Corey Jefferson for uh, the American fiction? I would love to see American fiction, even though I only love that film for the first 45 minutes. But it's a very well-written piece for that first 45. And just that movie, well. that movie is not as good as it thinks it is. And it has what a, about Barbie. It has what, a pretty about dreadful Barbie? ending. Oh, you does, like does, Barbie? No, I'm saying does Barbie win? This is Greta's, I think, third nomination. Well, that's what we predicted on the uh, PBS show that we were given the plug to at the top. Neil and Lisa and I all think that 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 Barbie, that it's the consolation prize for her. The way Argo won for uh, Ben Affleck the year he didn't get nominated as director. Okay. I think, uh, you know, that script is smart. And I, I, I tell everyone to see that movie a second time because there are so many Robert Evans jokes in it. There's, there's crazy inside baseball stuff right. in that movie that's yeah. totally fun. And so I think that is the I think that is the screenplay. I won't I won't call that a lock, but uh, Harvey, you're saying okay. Go ahead. I was gonna say usually when you think about it, in the last 10, 15 years, we've now had more black screenwriters winning Oscars. Yet you know they don't get nominated. They don't win for director. Yet get nominated. You know, so I think a win for Corey Jefferson will go right along with Barry Jenkins and uh, John Ridley and Spike Lee. You know, the, uh, and, and you know they they have been nominated for director, but yet never won. But they won screenplay. It's almost like the Constellation Prize. Like we won't give you director, but and even though well, Wilson, with all due respect, I don't think that Amer- that American fiction really pays off in the second half. It's a brilliant beginning, or certainly a, as a you can say the first half, but it doesn't really pay off. And that's that's yeah. a fair opinion. Well, you can you can say that about a number of the movies that are nominated. You know, like how many of them can carry it all out to the end, especially when you talk about the the 10 nominees, yeah. you know, like how many of them, you know, some of them had a good beginning, some middle, you know, not want to say terrible ending, but you know, the ending, you know, but sometimes obviously because they are on the top 10, you know, they, they somehow weathered the storm or whatever they were lacking. I'll know, tell like, you what I'd be very, very happy about is an upset by Sterling K. Brown. That would be good. I like that. I would have no problem with that at all. I, I really liked him. In that film, I've liked him all along and everything he's been in. And if he takes it, uh, I was, you know, it's not going to happen. I think it's been down. I'm not flying the plane. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I wouldn't be surprised. You got granted. Robert Downey Jr. won SAG, but Sterling is a three-time Emmy Award winner, voted by SAG. You know, so like it would be a, a shocker. You know, but then you have a lot of people in that category have been nominated before, with the exception of Sterling. Robert Downey, uh, Robert De Niro obviously has won, and he was actually good on this, and no one's talking about this. You know, he was actually good in the film, you know, uh, but because he's won twice, no one's already saying that he's, you know, he's even in the, the nominations to win, you know, because he's won twice. During my you know, second so. viewing of Killers of the Flower Moon, I was literally groaning at his Oklahoma uh, corn pone accent. I really couldn't stand him at the second time. It was fine the first time, but I don't agree that he's good. He's, he's tiresome and irritating. <laughs> in my opinion. All right. Well, speaking of tiresome and irritating, let me pivot back to Sterling K. Brown for a second, because all I want to say is he's done a very shrewd thing that I don't know if you guys have noticed. He Every interview he gives, he says he's not going to win. He knows it's going to be Robert Downey Jr., who he, he has a lot of admiration for. And he doesn't say it in a bullshitty actory way. He says it in a very sincere way. Like yeah. he's genuinely happy to have been nominated. Uh, if he doesn't win this year in a surprise... That kind of attitude, I think, will be remembered going forward, and he will be rewarded if he gets another great role uh, in the very near future. I also want to mention that uh, because we're not paid to be on this podcast, we've been forced to do product placement. And I just want to say, uh, Jeff, I find uh, some of your analysis as crystal clear as the new Accutron Space View 2020. Yes, the Accutron Space View 2020. <laughs> it's not just a timepiece, it's a conversation piece. All right, now back to the show. So, Wilson, you got anything you want to plug? Fitbit, uh, 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 <laughs> old school Fitbit. <laughs> hey, Wilson, have you yeah. been to any of the gifting suites this week, or will you get into any of that stuff? We should tell people uh, I, who are watching or listening and don't know that in uh, Oscar week out there is there's tons of swag, not just the day of the show, but the whole week leading up to it. And if you even know a celebrity, you can go to some of those with them and grab some sunglasses and stuff. Oh, yeah. I think the last time I was out here, there was a that I went to and I got, a, I guess, a, a, one of those massage smart guns and I got some strong coffee and a $200 comforter. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I'm trying to think, what could I possibly need now? Maybe like a, a 10,000 watts charger, portable charger, you know? <laughs> You know, it's like who, who knows what you can, and then I have to say to myself, "Can I can it fit on my in my luggage? To take home, you know." It's like you don't want to get it too big. You know, coming out here, you know, I think this is the most. This is the only time I've brought more than three suits. You know, because there's going to oh, be cool. so many events, black tie, you know, cocktail tire, you know, to come out here. This is my first time I'm actually out here during Oscar week. Last time I came, I came on a, the Saturday day before. And it was funny because I was looking for a different type of bow tie. And around Hollywood, you can't find anything. I live, we all live in New York. And so obviously you can find certain things in New York because you know where to go to you and stuff find, like that. You can't find a different kind and a unique kind of bow tie? What are you and saying? A, a, a unique, yeah, a unique kind of, you know, the fat ones. You know, like I literally went to uh, stores that I could walk to because, you mm -hmm. know, in L.A., you're going to have to drive everywhere. And I wasn't trying to do that. So I said, look, let me walk. I went to at least 10 different stores. They all had the same bow tie. I was like, I have those. I have those. I have those. Mm. You know, so this time I just ordered it. <laughs> this time I just ordered hey, before it. Before we bail out the Oscars, because we got to move on to some other stuff, can I just get some sentiments about cinematography? Is there any strong current 
uh, about that because I don't know that I know that uh, uh, Oppenheimer was dynamic in in the IMAX sense, but I wasn't floored by the cinematography. It's good. It's very. It's 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 professional. It's it's, it's satisfying. But I wasn't knocked out by it. Anybody? I think they're gonna win. I think I think the fact that Dune moved itself to twenty twenty four. We'll talk about that soon. Yeah. Uh, gave Oppenheimer and its team a lot a sigh of relief, knowing that like okay, they almost have somewhat of a clear path to winning a lot of the tech categories. Uh, look, I, I, I think Dune. We're going to talk about Dune in a second. I think that's a, a, a no brainer, maybe a slam dunk already for next year. I don't see though, to your point, Jeff, how you don't give cinematography to Oppenheimer as part of its little sweep because the look of it is as much why it's winning as the talking heads. I mean, the, you can argue that it's three hours of, of like a 60 minutes interview with a bomb that goes off in the middle. A but lot the, of talking in that movie. Yeah. But, but it has, it has, it look, Christopher Nolan is all about how things look and feel. I think you you call him the best director and you give that movie best picture. I think you have to give that cinematography nod to, to that film. The five nominees, yeah. just to be clear, are Oppenheimer, followed by Poor Things, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, and El Conde, which I have not even seen, actually. Well, Maestro's gorgeous, uh, but, I mean, the first two and a half hours of Killers of the Flower Moon are stunning to look at. Uh, but I just think, and, of course, this could be, I could be, especially with what Wilson said about a lot of foreign uh, voting, that this could be the uh, poor things nod because everyone talks about how eye-poppingly gorgeous and interesting and cool like Brazil. That's more the production design and the... And yeah, that's, that's production design. It probably will win there if it's nominated. Yeah. All right, guys. So, so uh, what, is your, what was your first thoughts when you were sitting through uh, a Dune Part 2 and did you feel, oh, good, this is sufficient, this is a good sequel, or did you feel as I did, Wow, this is something else. This is much better than part one because uh, some people have had that reaction, and others. I've been reading some reviews since I posted my own, and some people are kind of not that thrilled with it. They're kind of like, you know, dismissing it. Any thoughts from both of you about what was your initial? I, I think, you know, it, it's it's it's. I wouldn't call. I, I it's hard for me to say anything's a masterpiece, but it's just as equal as the first one. I think with the first one, you know, when you come up to a Danny film, he's going to be very dense. But he gives people work. He puts a lot of attention to mm -hmm. each of the crafts, from production design, obviously to sound, to visual effects. And here, I think it's more. You know, you now notice more of the, the production design and the visual aspect of, you know, obviously the talent. You know, like here, Javier Bardem is much more out there than he was in the first film. He's almost actually the humor in the film when you see what his dialogues are. Mm -hmm. And then you know, it, it's just more, you know, people can complain it's three hours. Yeah, but you know what? He, if you think about the uh, original, when you think about the original uh, Dune, the 84 version, it was campy and stuff like that. No, we're not going that way. You know, he, he definitely wanted to to go big on this one. Hmm. And, you know, unfortunately, we're, we're going to get a third one. And um, we're going to get a third one. And they'll probably give it the Lord of the Rings treatment where they'll reward it everything. You know, the third one's going to be kind of downish and not really an upper. It's going to be about uh, uh, Paul Atreides being coming a kind of a dictator, a bit of a shithead, you know, right? I, let me tell you, I think Jason Mimosa was was, was almost uh, unrecognizable. 
I was I was confounded by I needed like a Law and Order episode like a previously on Dune at the top yeah. to sort of give me some uh, of a dial me back in immediately. Mm-hmm. And I found and I read this on your site as well uh, today, Jeffrey. I found myself way more interested in what I was looking at than paying attention to the story. And I will I will piss a lot of people off right now when I say that I never understood the Star Wars world. I never got the which planets were in charge and who was trying to shoot who. And and I, I went along for the ride anyway. And I think Denny has this, if we can all call him Denny, I think he's got, because I don't like trying to pronounce his last name, I think we all have the next Star Wars franchise here if they build it out right. I have a few, you guys say there's going to be a three. I think there could be 10 or 12 of these. And I think, well, yeah. I think they're thinking about that right now. I think this is the... This is the next cool thing. It looks much more, it looks like Star Wars world elevated to a much, to the next level that Star Wars has never grown to. And I know this is going to start a lot of, you know, hate mail. And I hope that all those people come to (laughs) canoeplace.com and join us uh, next week for the Oscar (laughs) and bring fresh vegetables. Uh, But I, I think, uh, I think most I think the pushback from people is it's a little long. I saw it in a in a theater with real people, about 35 people Mm -hmm. uh, and and eight of them were kids. And the kids get a little anxious in their seats. Uh, But the adults were were tracking with it, enjoyed it. And as did I. Uh, But again, I wasn't I, I was like I needed cliff notes. To, to understand Speaking exactly of cliff notes that's exactly what i did for the first time in my movie going life i was reading the plot as i watched the film so i could ignore the dialogue of trying to find i didn't want to whoa 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 what? whoa whoa what's wrong jeffrey wells who's if he had a a, a magnum 357 <laughs> would pull it out at a theater and shoot anybody I, I've changed my mind because a movie like this, I don't want to on during the movie. Yes, I was I was reading the plot and I thought this is great. I don't have to worry about no, what, no, you, hearing you, everything. You, 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 I just want to read the plot. You know, you here's the thing. I just recently this morning saw uh, on one website the difference between what the movie has done according and and from the book. So there's several changes. You know, there's about since I had here the twelve differences from the movie and the book. So you can't really read uh, what went on in the book and expect to see it in a movie mm-hmm. um, because you just want to see it and, and get it. Maybe after a second viewing, which I did, <laughs> got some things that I didn't get the first time. And then maybe over time, I think Wikipedia will just break it down and give you everything that's happening in the film like they do with every other movie, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of like, okay, so that way, uh, if, if you didn't get certain things, you'll get it through Wikipedia in terms of the plot. I'm trying yeah. to just say that they're the most interesting, the most absorbing, and the things that really turned me on about Dune Part Two is was not the story. The story was like, oh God, I, you know. I know a critic friend who hated sitting through it. He found it crushing to try to follow. He, he felt it was giving him a headache. And I said, well, the, I found the solution. Don't even pay attention to the plot. Just watch how beautifully shot this all is how the design is magnificent i love the desaturated color everything it's it's a really if you don't have to follow the plot it's great this uh <laughs> this, this jeffrey wells admission is brought to you by zevia soda <laughs> yes zevia 
What is the that? The bitter aftertaste tells you it's working. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, things have changed. A lot of people put turn their phones on. We did it one time in a in a Sony screening room, you and me, Bill. And I remember thinking, this is kind of we're kind of setting a bad example for ourselves. But I swear to God, it made everything feel good to be able to just read the fucking plot and ignore what's happening and just watch how beautiful it is. I said people do that in theater when you're watching a play and yeah. let's just say you're watching a, a new version of Shakespeare and you're like, for those who have not read all of Shakespeare, during intermission, they're reading the plot like, okay, I don't think you can do that in a play. I think plays have different <laughs> But if you're... You get lost in the dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm just... I'm just saying this is a breakthrough for me. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing all, uh, you know, kind of sci-fi epic movies and just ignore the fuck out of the plot and just see how good they are. How well, much before, we, before we move on, I will okay. say that over the years, Jeffrey, you have been a champion of scripts that don't lay it all on the nose, that don't lay it all out and have everything on the nose. And you've admired uh, storytelling where the audience is required to catch up a little and be as smart as the script is. Right. And I I would say that, uh, you know, to cheat and look up everything rather than see it again, or is maybe a little disingenuous because you're, you're the guy that likes smart script writing. And uh, I've gotten to the point that I really can't stand these movies if I have to follow their plots. I'm just saying, I'm repeating myself, but if I can just be, Take that burden off my back and everything changes because I really don't like these movies on their own terms, on their own story terms. That's all I'm saying. It's not a right. crazy thing. And yes, I am betraying or going or ignoring all the the, 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 the Catholic Church uh, devotionals that I've been talking about movies all my life. But I but I just, you know, at the risk of repeating myself over and over again. This is the way I feel now. It's just better. Oh, that's a risk. That's a risk we're used to. But what you're saying is if only Tony Gilroy had written Dune 2. Yeah, that would be interesting. <laughs> hey, you never know. You know you, I'm, here's the thing. There's, there's, um, I think the Sci-Fi Channel at one point had a series called The Children of Doom, you know, which was interesting uh, to see, like, if you'd say, like, they're going to continue this, you know, just like the way well, years later, Later, we had a new version, uh, uh, the younger years, or uh, of Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. You know, you you could come back down the road, maybe not Doom, but somebody else. You know, and do the Children of Doom. You know, somebody who will follow the footsteps of Denny. Okay. By the way, as someone who has uh, ghostwritten for a lot of people and gave Larry King uh, a, a quote one time that he used in in one of the ads for Nine. Uh, I thought of the late Larry King. <laughs> I've been at a lunch with Can you him. repeat the Larry King quote? I, I always thought that was really funny. Yeah, we were at a lunch with Per Se, and Mar Marion Coltard was at our table, and, and Harvey Weinstein was working the room, and uh, and I said, uh, Larry, nine is a ten. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the next day in the paper, there's nine is a ten. But I thought of that. I thought of that when I when I saw Dune two because I thought Larry King's headline in giant font would be spicy. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> All right, can we switch over to, uh, we have some some interesting films coming up in March, and I just thought we could maybe, because you guys are, are at least, the two of you, I'm not so much into the 
screening situation as I used to be. But can you tell well, me? I didn't know you were just thinking March when you sent us that note because I know I, I changed I my mind. I think I saw the trailer for Bike Riders and which I thought looked really interesting. And then you said no, you saw it at Telluride and weren't a fan. It's a, it's a it's painful. It's painful to sit through and and it really. Are we allowed to talk about it yet or? Sure. It doesn't come out until June fifteenth. Remember, but it has. I think Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. No, I think people. When some friends who had seen it at Telluride, they had mentioned to me it, it's no awards contender, and they had mentioned that uh, Austin Butler is just there, but doesn't bring anything to the story. Bring cigarettes. That, you know, he so does it, nothing but like, smoke it, cigarettes. It, 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 and that's it, fucking it, movie. It's almost, they they said it tries to be like the outsiders, but the other way. And there, the way they explained to me is like think the outsiders where Diane Lane had really nothing to do. Um, where here the guys have nothing to do but service the story to Jody Comer's character. Yeah. By the way, uh, if you want to, speaking of smoking cigarettes, Wilson, at the Oscars, if you want to chat up any of the stars, go outside and pretend you smoke cigarettes because. That's that's how you get seven to ten minutes with people who would never never otherwise. Well, everyone loves Wilson Rouse, but I'm just saying uh, it's it's a good way to chat up celebs. And I've, I've done it a couple of times at the Oscars myself. I, before we leave the Oscars, also, what is the auspices under this? If, if Jeffrey has has told me correctly, you're going to be on the main floor on the or with an orchestra seat. And if you get up well, to the room, somebody is going to run over and sit here. Well, you know, I'd like to think so. You know, you don't know these things until you get there. You know, and obviously, I'm not in a position goes. Uh, I was told differently. You know, last year, my first time, I was up top. You know, I figured it's the lay of the lion of like, hey, listen, I'm in, I'm invited to come to the dance. This time, I, you know, I, I like to, uh, I, I I will be, I think, on a lower floor, and then see how that plays out and see, you know, because I think it everything changes this year. You know, obviously, there are people who I know that didn't get tickets and uh, groups that normally get more than one mm. they got less of tickets this year so like it'll be interesting to see how things play out you know uh obviously you the have a tie you like. yes i do have the tie i do have the tie you know it's like here's the thing well, being a guy it's great because you know nobody pays attention to our tux it's just a matter of whether or not you you wear a bow tie regular tie bow tie regular tie i guess you you know, you want to be fashionable. I think if you're a woman, it's everything. You know, like you got to go all out, hairstyle, you know, rent the one wear because, you know, whatever dress you get taking pictures of, you can't wear again, you know. Otherwise, somebody will make money and say, is this the only thing you got? And you've worn it in the last the year. I go open collar. <laughs> Show us a little chest hair. You know? <laughs> so this right, sorry, we digress. I apologize. Hanging out at the bar on the main floor is the place to be, from what I've been hearing for years after year. And you can watch the whole show, of course, from the bar. And if you have, if you're going to possibly win something, obviously you run back into the theater and take your seat. But if you don't, it's that's the way to do it, from what I've been hearing from everyone. Right? And if you're Christine Lottie, never go to the bathroom. <laughs> right? I think, yeah, everybody remembers that one. It's like, where is she? <laughs> It was weird. She, you don't want to be like, really? Your name is called, and you have to come up with an excuse. <laughs> have you guys no. seen the lesbian movie with Kristen Stewart called Love Lies Bleeding? Comes out later this month. Yes, I actually have seen it. I'm actually talking to Kristen tomorrow. Okay, uh, cool. along with Katie and the director. I think his name is Rose Glass. Mm -hmm. You know, so it played at Sundance. She had two films there. 
Uh, one film wasn't well-received. This one, I wouldn't say well-received, but some people liked it more than others. It's quirky. It's campy. It, it, it's third act goals in a way you don't expect, you know, maybe which is what's good for her. You know, she's trying to do something diverse, you know. She's been working at trying to like shed that image from obviously uh, uh, um, the Twilight Zone. It's now going on 10 years where she's just trying to shed an image. And I don't, I don't know what she's trying to do in terms of like what sort of... You're not sure? No, no. Uh, Kristen Stewart. Kristen okay. Stewart, like, you know, obviously, you know, she got the nomination, what, two years ago for playing, you know, Princess Di. You wonder like, okay, where does her career go from there? You know, so she seems to be to be back bouncing from something independent to what she wants to do, or if anyone, I wonder if anyone's giving her a mini role to get back on the stage. You know, to get back to that position where she gets nominated again. Uh, there's a, uh, you know what I'm, I'm not going to say what it is, but in the third act, Wilson, the, the the film becomes very surreal and becomes kind of magical and very strange. There, and I thought this is this is exciting because Rose Glass is not sticking to. Uh, normality. She's not doing the expected. She's going out there. And I thought, this is good. I respect Somebody that. Somebody remind me what Rose Glass has done before. What's her big Called, thing? Uh, Saint Maud. Saint Maud. Maud. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, it, you know, I, go ahead. I was going to say, like, you know, you, you now have a lot of these women directors trying to do something outside of the norm. You look at um, the software director. What, um, what's her name again? Um, yeah. Um, it'll, it'll come back to me in a second. Sorry, the, which, which motion picture? Uh, Saltburn. Oh yeah. Uh, Your director, uh, promising young young woman. You did promising young woman. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're three, all old black, three old black. <laughs> three old guys on a podcast. Brought yeah. by Zevia. No, it's, a, it's uh, what's her name? The. Uh, we're all going. One of us could get our phones out, but you know, I'm somebody, to... somebody's going to somebody's going to call us out on this. Like, this is no, where terrific. this is where intelligent hosts edit. We like to show Emerald you the whole now. thing. <laughs> Emerald for now. Emerald for yeah, now. Emerald for now. F e n n e o l. And I loved, loved, loved promising young woman, and I'm so happy that Saltburn got nothing. No. I, I you know, really, really didn't they like do anything at the Independent Spirits. I didn't even. And by the way, Wilson, were you out there a week ago for the Independent Spirit Awards or not? No, no, I, I was not. I was Did not. Did you go to the basket? Uh, no, no. I was actually at the Doom premiere in New York when they had the Independent Spirit Awards. <laughs> You know, Wilson, I used to think, I think we all did, that for a long, long time, going back to the late 90s, the Spirit Awards were a very cool event, and they were known as the Indie Oscars, and if you were out in Los Angeles for the Oscar Award Week, it was something you absolutely had to attend, and people felt pretty cool about being there. I, I think it's one of the best, you know, atmospheres, the parties before... I went to eight or, eight or nine of them, and I thought it was the coolest. It had the best media city behind it with Siskel and, and Ebert walking around holding court with uh, anybody right. who wanted to talk to him. I mean, yeah. it was really cool. But uh, it has become, in my opinion, a group that's not about uh, celebrating coolness and hip movies, but kind of a Branch Davidian uh, purist woke thing. And Yeah, but isn't part of that because the Oscars has taken it upon himself to try and usurp some of the cool indie movies? Well, remember, 
the, the spirits are now uh, forsaking gender in terms of their acting awards. Wait, can you see what's happening now? Some of these award shows are somewhat becoming beholden to the announcements by airing early, so that way they can make a difference to how votes are determined. You know, with the Bathurst early, obviously, with, with the Spirit Awards now early. Remember, they used to be the day before the Oscars. Okay. You know, right. now, it's, now it's early on. I'm not sure if it's, it's coinciding with the voting period. You know, with the exception of the WGA, which is happening later because of the strike, right. you know, all these other award shows are coming on early so that way they can have an impact and people can actually pay attention to it because if they don't, then you're like, okay, none of it matters. You know, the good thing about the Spirit Awards is they're kind of mixing in. Like, there'll be some nominees there that overlap with Oscar nominations and then there'll be some nominees there that like, okay, they need to be awarded a Spirit nomination because they were too small for the, for the academy to recognize them because they didn't make a, a certain amount of money or didn't make a splash at the box office, you know. So it's good that you have you need the independent spirit awards, you know, so to recognize some of the smaller films that you know weren't big enough to be to get the academy attention. But it wasn't even streaming anywhere that I knew about. I couldn't. I, it was over, and I was like, "Oh, that happened last week." Mm-hmm. What are the circumstances, by the way, gentlemen? Before we close this out completely that would allow the Oscars to be streamed on Netflix in the next, it wouldn't be next year, but let's say five or six years from now. That's coming. That's definitely coming. When ABC doesn't have to, when they lose the, whatever, however long their rights are, and Mm. they look at the numbers and go, you know what, this this can just be a streaming show. Is that in the next 10 years, you think? What do you think? I think they will will fight. You know, you see, you see the Grammys got an uptick you know, uh, the Emmy Awards, I think, got an uptick. You know, I think, you know, in the world we live in now where everything's screaming, you know, ABC has Hulu, you know, CBS has Paramount, Netflix by itself. And I think of, of all the streaming channels, a lot more people have Netflix because they were the first to have so much content. Um, I don't know what kind of people that I have yet to see a press release say, you know, that they, they, they did well with the SAG Awards, you know, I think every, you know, the networks will fight hard to keep it going, you know, um, because they now have the streaming platforms that are like, listen, we're going to combine all the numbers. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, instead of seeing it on ABC, you know, you can see it, you know, like you can see the net, like, you know, streaming is the way to go for some of these places because you don't have to be home. You can now just be on the road catching the Emmys through Hulu Live, right. you know, if that's the way to go. You know, can so long as they about- Go ahead. Yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. No, I'm saying so. Well, that's you your have job, the host, like mm-hmm. I just yeah. did. <laughs> who yeah, has Josh. seen? May I ask who has seen Roadhouse? That's coming out soon. Oh, is that? Are they showing that? Uh, I I don't know. They've they've been arguing about it. Of course, uh, Doug Lyman is not going to. I, I I I don't know if we're allowed to say anything. We saw it. <laughs> okay. Oh really? Oh, can't oh, can't. Yeah. Well. It, 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 I'm allowed to say I haven't seen it. Mild mannered about it, Wilson. You, you... I, I, I could say I've seen it, but I'll, I'll be quiet because I don't want to get in trouble in case we're not allowed to say anything. <laughs> Fair but enough. Doug Lyman, in my opinion, he's he's very good at genre stuff. I've I, I've loved him from the get go. I loved his original Born. I loved um, uh, uh, what was that that really great thing that was at Sundance? Oh, yeah, that. Uh, he's a. He, I mean, I I think he's he's definitely a cut above. So I, I kind of was looking forward to it. I, I didn't really love the Rowdy Harrington original, which is produced by Joel Silver uh, back in 80, no, was that 90 something? Who, who remembers? No, I think it's 80, 
80? No, like 80. It's 80, early. 89, yeah. something like that. Come on, Ben Gazzara? He was in, yeah, he was the big bad guy. That's right. Yeah. I forgot about Ben Gazzara. Wow. You know, <laughs> but I, I think here you have Jake Gyllenhaal. You know, you, you have Jake Gyllenhaal here. You know, you have, uh, um, I forgot that M, uh, MNA fighter, I think it is, uh, in the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. You know, sometimes the cast can tell you what kind of film you're getting, you know. And Jake Gyllenhaal, you know, lately he's been doing, you know, you, you don't know where his trajectory is, you know. He's definitely come a long way since Brokeback Mountain. And then sort of like, okay, you would have thought that. My joke, my joke when he did Prince of Persia, was that what that was called? Was yeah, that that's like. It's pretty hard to buy the guy as a as an action hero when I'm pretty sure he was the chick in Brokeback Mountain. But you know, um, that that's and pardon me, and that was a joke from 15 years ago. So don't cancel me. Uh, I don't do it anymore. You mean he's the bottom? That's fine. That's that's it was, it's um, not. Uh, they're not ambiguous about that. Here's one thing you can answer about it: Does Jake look buff enough? He looks yes. buff <laughs> from the from the skills. You had seen earlier images floating online of them looking buff fighting, you know. So he, he definitely put in the work in there physically to look buff enough. <laughs> uh, okay, boy, this is tantalizing. What Wilson is not saying, <laughs> he's not. not well, you, you, you certainly don't want. I, I don't want. I, I don't want anyone <laughs> calling me up and come coming at me just like he talked about Sav Jackson. Be like, no, 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 no. You yeah. know, <laughs> like you weren't allowed to say anything. I can only talk about what's been seen online. <laughs> How about Wilson's this? No com- by the way, Wilson's no comment is brought to you by Zevia. Yes. <laughs> I swear, where are you? Where are you finding these these tricks? I'm like, I've never even heard of them. You know? I'm trying to give. I'm trying to give our our uh, hosts some ideas about how we can start to make some money off this. Thing. Can I ask if anybody has seen the American Society Society of Magical Negroes? That's no. also opening soon. No, how do you guys feel it. about that as a title? That's you know the funny thing is, that, sounding so, it? as as so you know, I'd seen it. I played at Sundance. It wasn't well received. I think when the title came out initially, people had hopes for it, and then the trailer came out. And for whatever reason, some people thought this was going to be some sort of Harry Potter esque type of movie, which is clearly it's not. It's basically a, about a, a black individual who's who's being mentored how to be nice within the white society um and, Not, and, you know and that that has people looking at it the wrong way you know and satirical so, i'm assuming like american fiction yeah it sounds like an american fiction cousin a very close relative no yeah but you know very different like you don't have the same i think sometimes casting is everything and i think with jeffrey wright he could sell you know you got jeffrey wright and Sterling K. Brown, and Issa Rae, and Leslie Uggams. We've got names of individuals that we've been a fan of. You just want to see how they're going to perform. And Core really wrote, for his first time, he assembled a cast. I always wonder when you have somebody doing something for the first time, how did you get this cast? You know, you usually have a great casting director. You know, and for what I heard, everybody say, oh, once Jeffrey was on board, mm-hmm. I came on. I think the lead, Justice Smith, of Magical uh, Negroes, I don't think he's there yet to the point where everybody goes, oh, Justice Smith is the lead? Bring me on. You know, so sometimes a lot of it has to be like, can this guy Isn't sell? Is David Allen Greer also in it? He's David Allen Greer in it. He plays a supporting role. But when you have Justice as the lead, nothing, no shade against them. But I don't think there's been enough people to say, okay, who is this guy? What else has he done? Mm-hmm. You know, 
to, to say, okay, I'm going to check this out. The plot has to sell. And from what if the Sundance, if it didn't, it was already bought by, it was already uh, produced by Focus Features. So I already went in there with a distributor. And it's mm-hmm. coming out in theaters. And we'll see how it does. So I have this theory about how uh, filmmakers are getting around being politically correct and wokey. And one of the things that I think they do is they set the movie back in time. The holdovers can be racist in places because it's not based in this time period. Uh, and the same goes for The Color Purple. And you can, There's a bunch of them that use the excuse of we're setting it back in time. Holdovers so, is not it's, racist. It, has, it features a couple of characters who are assholes. And okay. that doesn't but, make the movie racist. My question then is, if there hadn't been a term 20 or 30 years ago called Magical Negro and what that is, do you think anybody could have named that movie this in this day and age if it didn't have that history? No, I, I, I think, you know, just the word Negro is going to set up alarms no matter what. Mm. You know, um, if it's coming at even and black, and there is a black director on them, so he's getting somewhat of a pass. You know, because it is a black director. I I actually spoke to David Allen Greer, and he said that when he got the script, the first thing he asked was, "Is the director white or black?" <laughs> you know, because it's a it's, it's a different connotation if it's a direct white director, because he felt like if it's a white director, he may have to educate him as far as where is he going with this. Uh-huh. You know, but it, but because it's a black director, he understand what he was putting together. You know, and so a lot of times when we see these movies, you wonder like, okay, does, you know, think about Quentin Tarantino bringing on Reginald Hudlin as one of the producers of Django Unchained. Without that, you know, he gets vilified because like mm. how many times does he, they, does he use the N-word, which he's been accused of multiple times in his movies. You know, so like when you have Reginald Hudlin as one of your producers, he can say, Reginald, I need you to go to NAACP and make a case for this movie, you know? Because if Quentin goes out, but again, Django's in the eighteen sixties, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, Franco Nero wasn't he in the first one? One of the first ones, uh, one of the Italian Django movies, probably so. You know, so I, I think a lot of it all depends on who's directing it or who wrote it. You know, because then we look at it; they don't know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, but if it's if it's somebody black, it's okay. They understand the experience. Let's see where it goes. Can I um can I put in a plug for something that I really liked when I saw it in Cannes and many other people did not, and that's called uh, it's now called Asphalt City. It was called Black Flies, and it comes out on the 29th of this month. And uh, if you liked or at least had a place in your head for uh, Bringing Out the Dead, the Scorsese film okay. from '99, it's the same thing basically. It's it's a little different. It's a little grittier, a little gnarlier, but it's it's a completely decent film if you want to is that the yeah yep yeah. he's a grizzled veteran uh who uh has has been through some rough times and it shows on his face and he's had a lot of uh, i liked bringing out the dead a lot a lot more than i think you did because when i read what you write about it you were met at, or you know yeah and, and i just was okay with about it. it i, I liked it better really kind of a little independent for uh scorsese in the middle of his big period so i thought it was kind of cool but yeah i want to see that i haven't seen it have you seen it wilson i've not i had not even heard of it i don't know uh, really because it's a uh a lionsgate uh um um, a vertical thing it's going to be streaming like two three weeks after it opens briefly uh it's it's a completely decent film actually i'm I'm actually i'm looking i checked my email now 
Uh, I did get. I got, I got something two days ago. Actually, he was just a Sean, <laughs> just, Is this the movie with Sean Penn? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, I got an email about this. Yes. So they're showing it starting pretty soon. You're saying? Yes. They asked me if I wanted to do interviews with Ty Sheridan and Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson's actually doing interviews with Tyson oh, is good cool. also, and Ty Sheridan is very good. He's he's is probably, in my opinion, the best thing he's ever done role wise. It's an interesting character he's a guy who's really suffering going through all kinds of horrible uh stress mm -hmm. and, and anguish and it's it's uh I, to me it's it listen i was there uh, at the salad de Brucey when they first showed it and there were at least three if not four walkouts early from women that i uh didn't know them personally but i said what's going on why are people leaving and this was like the first 20 25 30 so, minutes. was there a rape scene or something that what do you mean the, the, you say you don't know the why guy, they walked out. What's your best theory? They felt it was insensitive and it was showing a lot of rage and anger. It was basically the people who need uh, the EMTs, the emergency medical technicians to help them. It's basically, it's not woke enough because there's a lot of of, of ugly stuff happening amongst people of a lower income uh, uh, bracket in Brooklyn and Manhattan. It's well, why is Canada... Mike Tyson was great in black and white that James Toback did. And over a decade ago. <laughs> it's a small thing for Tyson. He's only in it very... Yeah. Oh, in this, in the new one. Okay. But why is it that you hear about walkouts in Cannes, but not many other festivals? You know, mm -hmm. it's almost like people just want to do it to give attention to the film. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Yeah. Although the French are... Yeah, then if they do stay to the end, they give it 11 minutes of applause. Yeah, right? It's like, yeah, it's like these They're movies, they like, oh. <laughs> it's like, we, we need to keep standing. It's like, you get paid pundits out there, like, no, keep standing. We need to go past 11 minutes so that way something, you know, they kept clapping, clapping, yeah, clapping. the record. Yeah, it's funny. I think it's, it's, it's telling that, it's telling to me that Wilson is only just hearing about a chance to see it. This is a movie that comes out in less than four weeks. Or, or you know, it's it's. I'm not here. You know, I'm like you know, you're not hearing much on it. You know, at the end of the day, as great as Sean Penn is as an actor, it's like, is he selling tickets anymore? Mm. You know, I don't know. We'll, we'll just tell him to say hi. <laughs> there's also you know, a uh, a little movie that's called Daddyo that Sean is in that finally got picked up, and I think Sony Classics has it. Have you heard anything about that, Wilson? I actually, I actually saw that. It's him and Dakota. Johnson, it's a nice little quirky film. It's not for everybody. It's basically a two-hander throughout mm -hmm. the whole movie. You know, he plays a driver driving her all the way from JFK to her apartment in Manhattan. And you know, obviously, like anything else, you know, he just happens to be a talking driver, and she just happens to open up at some point. Mm -hmm. You know, and they get to know each other, and it's like, okay, where where are we going with this? You know. Um, and, you know, those are the two names out there that sell. I, I can't recall who directed it. Um, it played at Toronto, and, mm. you know, not much of a big buzz there. And it's sometimes when, you know, if you're not able to get a big enough buzz to be released in the same year, you know, that's kind of telling. And it goes, okay, it's good enough, but we'll get it out. But next year, mm. you know. The, I thought uh, Dakota Fanning was outstanding in that cha-cha thing. Uh, it was one of my favorite movies that year. Um, and since then, I just, I don't know. She's great on talk shows. Uh, I hope this is a big hit. There's a great French movie out now that escapes me about a driver and an older actress driving around Paris. 
Oh, that sounds good. What's that called? Um, all right, well, it'll come back to us. But that's the same idea. They are, they're they're yeah, in the cab the cool. entire time, right? Mm -hmm. Or an Uber or whatever. Okay. It's like driving Mademoiselle Daisy, but it's uh, it, it's it's better than that actually. I think it's I think it's quite fine, and I wish I could think of the name of it. It came out about two or three weeks ago. Can I ask uh, both of you, Bill and Wilson, have either of you guys ever rented a scooter and driven around Paris just for the fun of it, just for the? I, I, I haven't had the pleasure of being in Paris. <laughs> no, I haven't. I've been to Paris, but I have not done. I got engaged there, but uh, we it wasn't on a scooter. Wilson, you say you've never been? No. Oh no. man! Okay. I'm waiting for your first uh, experience. I want to hear this. You know, it's like it's like I've got to go to Cannes. I always feel like okay. You know, as somebody who runs a black site, is there enough at Cannes that's going to help me out? It's like, uh -huh. even this year, and I, I know people are not going to go. I think the, the, the big American film is going to be the French for, um, I think it's a Metropolis or whatever it's called, um, Metropolis, you know, the Coppola yeah. film. Oh, the Co uh, yeah, Co Coppola's film, yeah. Is that Coppola's finally film. coming out? Definitely. That yeah, it's called Megalopolis. 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 It's assumed it's going to go to Cannes. Other than that, it's like, what else is there? You know, they, it, Anything that's that's American is going to get the attention because it's probably the only American film out there. I think not since Spike Lee uh, went there with Black Klansman. You know, yeah. we haven't had any other film of note mm -hmm. that would cater towards the community. Obviously, you know, you're not going to go there and talk about zone of interest because you don't know at the time how it's going to yeah. play out or Anatomy of a Fall. Right. You know. Hmm. Good news. I don't mean to interrupt, but I started a GoFundMe page for getting uh, Wilson to Paris. And we have uh, $410 so far. So that's going well. Hey, one more thing. We know that the Woody Allen film, which uh, first premiered in Venice last September, is finally being released theatrically, which is interesting. Uh, I think it's in early April or mid-April. And I was just wondering if you guys have heard anything about op opportunities to see that. I have streamed it uh, privately, and I think it's... Uh, Pretty interesting. Uh, I don't think it's one of his best, but I think it's pretty good. It's it's a it's a it's a you know. Yeah, I was talking about coup de chance, which is the thing that yeah. uh, takes Woody back to his match point kind of serious yeah. uh, dramas mm -hmm. uh, with nary a laugh. Even it, it must be hard to be Woody Allen and, and shoot a whole movie with not anyone saying anything amusing. There's, there's nothing uh, of, of a comedic nature in any of it. It's it's purely. A melodrama about uh, infidelity and murder. So somebody's been doing some like basement screenings in Manhattan and inviting select people to see it. I haven't been on that list, but I've talked to a few people and uh, they like it. They think it's really, really good. Um, you know, that's that was always the case with Woody Allen films. You know, there will always be like these screenings hard to get into because for whatever reason, his movies never generated like an all media. It had to be like, oh, we're trying to see the Woody Allen film. That was before, obviously, you know, the scandals came up and all of a sudden he, was, he became ostracized in the community. <laughs> but well, doesn't so it mean something? What... Don't you think it means that something that they're actually putting it into theaters? They weren't, they wouldn't do that for the last two films. The last one of his that was, that got any kind of theatrical play was not the Timothy Chalamet one, but the one before that. What was that? Rainy day in New York. Rainy day. No, that was that. That didn't get any kind of play. That was oh the the festival one, the 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 Rifkin movie. That didn't get any play either. Really, I mean, that was uh, shown yeah. But at, see, this one, this is a French film, right? It takes yes. place in yeah. So it it'll 
it'll get European distribution, right? Yeah, I think it has played in Europe already. It's like Polanski. They don't care. Yeah, okay. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Think about it. Yeah, I guess. I, I, I think I've been doing this podcast for so long. I've grown. I, I'm embarrassed to say I was a, a little bit right. of a. Listen, it's not that bad. We did 90 minutes last time. This is an well, here's, But here's my point, Jeff. Uh, I'm going to shave with the new Norelco 9000. That yes, looks good. Norelco 9000 <laughs> has three heads and rotates smoothly across right. my beard. I have never. This is an honest. I've never once in my life shaved with a electric razor of any kind. Oh, dude, you don't know what you're missing. <laughs> yeah, just listen. All right. That's real you know quality. Right. As you said that, I said I, I could use that at one of these gifting lounge. <laughs> you know, right. That's what I would want. Okay, we've we've come to the end of the hour. Wilson has a busy day, and we didn't uh, we did pretty well. I mean, we didn't we didn't overstay our welcome. So I'm going to go play golf, and I'm going to be using the Titleist Pro V1. Yes, the Pro V1. <laughs> yeah, one pros I, I, I hear it's a good day in New York right now, but somewhere in, in the 70s. It's, yeah, it's, it's on the warmer side. Yeah, that's nice. It's nice out. 50s, I think. But, and I will shamelessly mention one more time that we're doing an Oscar viewing party in the Hamptons. Go to canoeplace.com. We'd love to have you join us. Uh, it's a great restaurant, and it's a fun spot, and you get to heckle us. So we'll be. Able are you to offering? Are you offering open bar? <laughs> Yeah, the Oppenheimer bomb is the non-alcoholic drink, which is uh, well. Is it, it is the deal? Uh, you pay one flat fee plus you have to pay for drinks, or how does it work? Okay, calm down, Jeff. I'm trying to actually sell this. <laughs> um, no, not everyone drinks, so there's a three-course right. meal, and uh, we can't charge a nickel to watch. The Academy is very specific about you can have a party, but you can't charge admission for it. Okay. So uh, there are some a la carte items that might, some of which may come from the bar, mm. but we're also giving a lot of our swag away with uh, with trivia questions and stuff. So that that can enough fleecy might uh, might go to a good home. And what is the uh, cost to get into the party? Seventy five dollars a person. Okay. Very, very good. All right, Wilson. And by the hour, that's dirt cheap. Yeah. <laughs> good, good having all three of you. I really uh, enjoyed Wilson's uh, uh, willingness to talk to us, and uh, Bill, it was great to see you again. Thanks, and, guys. And I, uh, and I, uh, I think we were disciplined, and I'm relatively pleased. So we all uh, missed it well together. Let's see. Let's see what, we'll, what how we make out next Sunday. Right. Yeah, I'll be curious about that too. All right, guys. All right. Take care. Thanks. Take care. All right, I'll turn off the recording. Oh, my God.